All right, so we are in our third week of this series called Six Days. And the reason why we're talking about the six days is because we're talking about the last six days of Jesus. You know, Jesus knew he was going to lay down his life. He knew the countdown of his days. And so as he counted down his days, uh, it's amazing to see how things um, just sort of escalated to the cross. It's almost like a, a countdown to the cross. And so uh, it's interesting. I find it very intriguing to see what Jesus, how he treated his last six days knowing that he was going to lay down his life. I mean, if you knew you had six days to live, how would you live your life? What would you do? And so uh, a lot can happen in those six days. We talked about Sunday. We talked about uh, the Monday. And obviously, we're going to be talking about the Tuesday, the third day of that last week of, of the life of Jesus. But, you know, I did a little bit of research it's very intriguing and it's very eye-opening when you see what has happened in our world and in our country and, and, and locally over the last six days. It's amazing to see how many changes happened over the last six days. You know, over the, over the past six days, the NCAA canceled all college sports, including March Madness, Final Four, and College World Series. Final Four, of course, which is supposed to be played here in Atlanta. In the past six days, the NBA suspended the entire season. In the past six days, Major League Baseball canceled spring training and postponed opening day. In the last six days, the Masters, right here in Georgia, has been postponed, an event that has never been played outside of the months of March or April. In the past six days, the NHL canceled the rest of the season. NHL stands for National Hockey League, for those who don't know what that is. Uh, in the past six days, James Bond movie, No Time to Die, has been postponed, as well as The Fast and Furious 9. Maybe it's time for that to die. In the past six days, the United States has entered a national emergency. In the past six days, we've seen all local schools and local government offices shut down. In the past six days, we've seen churches closing their physical doors of traditional worship and offering something different. In the past six days, the United States alone has seen 1,643 new confirmed cases of the coronavirus, bringing the total to 2,204. Those numbers are probably up since my last numbers last night. In the past six days, the United States has seen 28 people die from the coronavirus, bringing the total to 49. And again, those numbers are probably up. A lot can transpire in six days. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a little exhausted from all of the changes. It's, it's like when, when lots of change happens in your life, you're like, I just need to take a, a breather. It, it, it affects you emotionally, which obviously affects you physically and even spiritually. But as we walk in these six days, understand that just like six days, our past six days, the past six days of Jesus changed dramatically. You know, it began on Sunday in what is called the triumphant entry. You know, the, the, the Jews really saw Jesus as the Messiah, as the one who was going to free the people from the tyranny of Rome, the rule of Rome. And so they 
They really held him as, as king. And he is king. He's king of kings and lord of lords, but not in the sense that the Jews wanted him. See, he came as the authority figure to deliver people from their sin, not to deliver people from another rule, another country, another government. And so when Jesus entered into uh, the city of Jerusalem on that Sunday, his final Sunday here on this earth before laying down his life, uh, people knew that he was coming from the nearby town of Bethany. And as word spread, they began to make way, make a pathway for Jesus. They would, uh, uh, they would almost uh, make a line on each side as the closer he got to Jerusalem and even laid down their outer garments, cut palm branches and laid them down as a sort of a red carpet experience for Jesus to come into Jerusalem in, as the king as the new king, as the Messiah. And so um, Jesus, he came riding on a donkey. <laughs> you know, he, he confused people, even his own disciples. He's like, uh, really? They, Jesus is gonna ride a donkey? Of course, the disciples didn't really get that. In fact, the disciples, the writers of the gospels, they said we, we weren't really sure what was going on until we looked back at past prophets and how it was proclaimed and how it was prophesied that Jesus would come in riding on a donkey. And the reason why Jesus chose a donkey is to show that, look, I want you to understand this. I'm coming, yes, in authority, but also in complete humility. I'm coming as someone who is approachable. You see, if Jesus rode on a, on a white stallion into the city, it would be perceived as something different, as a conqueror to conquer Rome. The government. And you know, you and I may never have approached Jesus if he was riding on a white horse. But he's more approachable as he's riding on a donkey. You know, just as a Jerusalem, as, as, as the Jews opened up a pathway for Jesus to come in and he's the way maker to salvation, you and I can make a path to our hearts. You know, Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts. Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart, but you and I are the ones who open the door and allow the way for Jesus to come in to our hearts, to our life. And I wanna encourage you, maybe if you have not accepted Christ as Savior, maybe today through this situation that we're all facing, maybe you would open up your heart and make a path for Jesus to come into the inner part of who you are, into the city of your heart. And just like Jesus riding on a donkey, you know, sometimes we need that Jesus who rides on a donkey, and sometimes we need the Jesus who rides on the white horse, because in the book of Revelation, he does come back for his bride, and he does come back in judgment and a power at, at the end of time, and he throws Satan in the pit of hell, and he comes on a white horse as the great victor. Yes, the same king who rode the donkey is the same king who will ride on the white horse. So that is a picture of royalty as king of kings and lord of lords as he enters the city on that Sunday, on that day one. On day two, we see how uh, Jesus enters the city kind of in a different way. 
In fact, this day is described, the one word that I would describe this day is purity. Because what he does, he goes straight to the temple with his disciples. And he cleans out the temple. Because see, on that first day, on that Sunday, he goes to the temple, he looks around, and he observes something that really causes um, him great concern. And so because of the concern and because of, uh, uh, of the distress of what he sees, he takes care of business the next day. He drives out the money changers, the people there who are all about greed and commercialism and, and extortion. And they've altered the purity of the temple, making, making it about uh, selling things and, and selling uh, sacrifices. And yes, people had to uh, buy certain animals for live sacrifice, but it became more about money. It was right there in the temple. And Jesus said, this will not happen. My house will be, house, uh, will be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. You know, the same could be said of us today. You know, that, that temple is, uh, is no longer standing there in Jerusalem. There's, a, there's a, a wall that's there, and you can go see that. But that temple that, that was originally built, designed with an inner holy of holies chamber where the, the presence of God was there. Well, Jesus, when he came and he died on the cross, uh, that, that curtain that separated us from that holy of holies was torn in two, making a way for his presence, not just in a, in a building, in a, in a temple, but into our hearts, into our lives, into our bodies. So as you and I receive Christ as Savior, as we make that way, and we receive the message of the way maker, know this, that we have the spirit of God in our hearts. We have the Spirit of God in our bodies as a temple. You and I, our bodies, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus driving out the impurities of the temple, Jesus needs to come into our life and drive out the impurities. Even after you've accepted Christ as Savior, you will fall into sin. I have fallen into sin. Everyone in this room is falling into sin. Online, you're falling in, in, into sin. You have sinned probably this week. And so because of that, we need to allow Jesus to be the cleaning agent. Almost like we're doing lots of cleaning to, to chase off this coronavirus. Jesus is the cleansing agent to come into our heart, to cleanse our heart, to cleanse our soul. He wants to do that in our temple. And the way we learned last week, and you can actually listen to these sermons online at lakepointonline.com, but in order to do that, we've gotta have the presence of Christ in our life. We've gotta invite him into our day, every day of our life. We gotta say, Lord, I'm living my life, but I need you with me. We've gotta have the power of Christ. We've gotta rely upon the power of Christ. And, and the power of his word, the, the, this, his living word, as we open it daily, as we open this up, the power of his word and the power of his presence can help be that cleansing agent. And then last, we learned last week, the just participating with Christ. Doing, in other words, doing our part. Doing our part as a cleaning, as the cleansing agent. You know, around our house, our house does not get cleaned by itself. 
We have lots of kids and lots of people living in our house, and everyone has, has their job, and there was lots of uh, cleaning, deep cleaning done uh, this past weekend and probably more of this coming week. But every kid has their part. Everybody has, has their, their role, and you and I have our role in, in cleansing. You know, this, this word of God is not just going to leap out of, the, out of this binder and, and into our hearts unless we open his word, unless we sit down and we position ourselves for that cleansing agent to come and cleanse us, to clean out our temple, to remove the impurities of our life, much like we're doing with this virus. And so the second day is about purity. First day is about royalty, king of kings, lord of lords. Second day about purity. And today, this week's message takes us to the final Tuesday of the life of Jesus. The descriptive word I would, I would describe this Tuesday, this third day, is authority. It's all about authority. Now, I'm gonna be in Mark chapter 11 today, and so if you wanna get, uh, get ready for, uh, uh, open up your copy of God's word, Mark chapter 11, we will have the words uh, on our live stream, obviously on our screen here today, and also you can use our uh, mobile app and you can go to uh, our sermon notes and also uh, make notes and send them to yourself. It's a great thing. So Mark chapter 11 is where we're going to uh, see uh, some Jesus authority. And um, Jesus and his disciples on this third day walk straight um, to the, uh, the temple. And we see a little bit of questioning of his authority. As we're in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 27 through 33. It says this, they arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus is walking in the temple courts, the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gives you the authority to do this? That's a that's a bold statement, but you gotta understand, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they are the ones, the teachers, they are the ones who have the authority by Jewish law. They are the ones who have this authority to, to teach. You know, they've been, quote, trained, but over time, they've added more to the law, especially the scribes, as, as they have uh, written out the law from Moses they figured out over many, many years that, you know, Moses wasn't really, he really wasn't uh, descriptive enough, or there's some missing information about the law. In fact, in order to follow this all, we're going to need to do more things. And so they kept uh, adding on and adding on and adding on things um, to the law that really distorted it and made it to where it was a heavy burden for people to follow, so heavy that people we're like, there's no way I can really live this life as a Jew and follow all of these things. And so Jesus came um, to set uh, a, a, a new law, a new covenant with his people. So verse 29, Jesus replied. So here's his, his response to their questioning him. I will ask you one question. So he answers, he, he answers them with a question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, 
Now, what he's talking about, he's talking John the Baptist. John the Baptist was someone, in the prophecy talks about this, how there will be someone who is making a way for the, for the Savior, for the Messiah. And so John was the one who was a way maker. He was the one uh, that uh, prepared the way. He had disciples. He, ha- he baptized people. He went out to, uh, to the wilderness, and people came out to him, and he uh, told people to repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The Messiah is coming. And so as he said that, and he said those things, he also called the Pharisees vipers, snakes, because of how they wanted to control the law and how they wanted to control the people. And so John's, by this, by this point, John the Baptist had been arrested and even beheaded. But John was very, very popular with the people. So here's Jesus in the temple. He's being asked by what authority, and so he answers that with a question. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. John's baptism, was it of heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people would everyone, for everyone held that John really was a prophet, which he was. So they answered him, we don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So the reason why this is important is because Jesus does have all authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. We see that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And so he speaks and talks with much authority, and his authority is being questioned you know, I feel like in our, in our culture, in our day, I feel like our culture, our world, is questioning the authority of God in our culture. And so when, when, when Jesus is asking this question, it's, it's a very smart response. Because, see, John validated Jesus' ministry. He's the Messiah. Look, John actually baptized Jesus. Here comes the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for. And he validated Jesus. Well, if the Pharisees said John's baptism was from heaven, then they would clear the way for the understanding that Jesus' ministry is validated. Because if they validated John, then they validated Jesus. Well, we can't say that. And we can't say that John's baptism was from man. It was his own, it was his own idea because the crowds were so great and they they really followed John. In fact, many of the people listening were actually baptized by John. They would lose control of that. And in fact, Jesus continues to answer this with a parable. And so we see this parable in, in, in Mark chapter 12, one, one chapter over, verses 1 through 12. It's a story of a landowner who had a vineyard. And this vineyard, he built this vineyard, and he uh, put a lot of money in it, a lot of time, and he built a a wall around it to protect it. He built a a tower, a watchtower, and he moved away, but he, he wanted to keep his vineyard, so he hired, he was looking for some farmers, some workers who 
could work this vineyard. And so he hired some farmers. They worked his vineyard. And the time came for the, the, this landowner to uh, collect sort of their, their rent. He, he rented out to them. And so he sent messengers from far away. And the messengers came and they wanted to collect uh, part of, uh, part of the, the crop as payment for them using uh, their, their, uh, his vineyard because they would take that crop and uh, grapes and, and they would go ahead and sell it and make, make a lot of money. But so the landowner wanted to make his portion. And so the messengers came and, and what did the landowner, what did the workers do? What did the farmers do? They took those messengers, they beat them up, and they pushed them out of the vineyard. So the landowner sent more messengers and more messengers. Some they beat and some they killed. And then finally, the landowner said, well, this is crazy. I, you know, I, I'm going to send my son. He, he had one son. He had only one son, and he was obviously the heir of the vineyard and, and everything that this landowner had. And so I'm going to send my son. I mean, that's like sending me, right? So I'm going to send my son, and my son is going to ask for the portion of the crops that's due to me, and they will treat him with respect. Well, they did not. Their thinking was, well, here's, here's the heir to this vineyard and all that this, this farmer or this landowner has, and so if we kill his son, then we would inherit this vineyard, and that's exactly what they did. In this story, they killed the son of the landowner, and even left his body. They killed him outside the vineyard. And so what Jesus is saying is, and, and the Pharisees know this, the Pharisees know that they are talking about them and are talking about Jesus. And we see uh, the response of the landowner in, in, in Mark chapter 12, verse nine through 12, it says this, what then... This is Jesus talking. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. You see, the religious leaders had the authority to teach the law. But Jesus, where did his authority come from? It came from God. God, the landowner. And this infuriated the teachers of the law, the people that controlled um, the Jewish religion. And so they rejected him, the stone that the builders rejected, they rejected him. And over the years, Jewish history, they have rejected all the messengers. They've rejected the, the, the prophets. They've rejected the pre-messianic prophets. They've even killed some of the prophets that God sent to the people of Israel, to the Jews. And they did not accept their word. They did not heed their warning time and time again. And of course, Jesus is talking about himself in the fact that he will be killed 
being the one and only son of the landowner, God the Father. And so this threatened, this threatened the leaders so much that what they did is they partnered with one of Jesus' followers, Judas. And we'll get into that more next week. But this sets the stage. This sets the stage for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, Jesus' point that he's trying to make is that it isn't enough to receive authority from God if you don't then use that authority to do his will. Look, he's telling, God has given you authority, Pharisees. God has given you authority, teachers, but you did not do this for the will of God. You did it for yourselves. You added more things to it. You put the burden so heavy. And so Jesus and God is saying, your authority is going to be removed from you and given to someone else. Well, we know where that someone else is. It's the bride of Christ. It's the church. And so if you don't do the will of your master, you, uh, he won't enforce your authority over the people. He won't enforce your authority over the people. So let me, let me bring this home to us. And, and why are we talking about authority? You know, when Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is who I am. And I've walked across this line. I am the authority figure. I am the son of the living God. All authority has been given to me. Let me ask you a question about the authority in your life. You know, just like the Pharisees asked Jesus, by, by what authority are you doing these things? By what authority are you driving out the, the people in the temple? Let me ask you that same question. By what authority are you living your life? By what authority are you living your life? You know, you can have that authority all to yourself. Many people do. Millions of people are living their life right now with their own authority. They understand that, you know, I call the shots. But there's going to come a time, and many people have come to this realization. When you come face to face with the conflict of your own authority and the authority of Jesus, there's a conflict there. And it's really who you submit to. Do you submit to your own authority to yourself, or do you submit to the authority of Jesus Christ? You know, it's interesting. Jesus never asked permission to drive out the money changers in the temple. He never asked permission to heal. He never asked permission to teach. He, he already had his permission from God. He already had the authority from God. And so the same could be said of, of, of your life. You know, if... if if Jesus truly is the authority in your life, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and he is the authority figure in your life, then you are going to give him all. He doesn't need permission. 
He doesn't need permission to clean out your temple. He doesn't need uh, permission to do the things in your life. You've given it over to him. But, but, if, but if you try to control your life, if you try to be a, a, a believer and follow Jesus but still try to control your life, then he really is not the authority figure in your life. Jesus has all authority. But let me tell you something. He is not going to come in like a white stallion into your heart and, and bust down doors. That's not how he works. You have to open that door. And you've got to allow him to come into your life and allow him to come into your heart and give him complete authority over your life. When Jesus is your authority, then it means you can walk in his authority. Let me say that again. When Jesus is your authority, it means that you can walk in his authority. You know, there are a lot of believers, maybe you're listening online, and maybe you're here today, and you're not really walking in the authority of Jesus. Maybe you have accepted Christ as Savior, he, he, he is, his spirit is living inside you, but you hold him back, and you don't give him complete control, complete authority. When Jesus is, is complete authority in your life, then guess what? You're going to walk in that complete authority. Jesus has given you. He, that same authority that, that Jesus had is living in you when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You see, when, when we become the children of God, we become heirs with God, heirs with Jesus, and we, we have royalty. We can walk in royalty. It's like we can walk right alongside Jesus down the pathway. But it, also, but it also means that we've given him the right and the authority to, to bring purity to our life, like with the temple. But it also means that you and I, if we have Jesus as our authority, we can walk in authority. Some of you are letting sin rule your life. Some of you are allowing sin to rule your heart. Can I tell you something? You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live bound by sin. Jesus came, laid down his life, rose from the dead, so that you and I can walk in freedom, can walk in authority over sin. Sin is going to be around. But some of you, and it's easy to do, to be bound by sin, to be bound by something that has, has got you so messed up that you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to go. You can turn to Jesus. He has the authority in your life. If you give him your life, give him your heart. So here in this room and listening online, just if we could just take a moment, if you've got some things going on in your house right now or maybe some distractions, obviously some of you might be driving, please keep your eyes on the road. Or if, you, or if you're doing something, just if you could kind of just remove distractions. And even here today, I, I wanna make sure that you have an opportunity to make Jesus the true authority over your life and over your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed here today.
And if you're sitting here today and you're, you're caught in something that, you, that has controlled you, you are not in control. And maybe you wanted to be controlled, maybe, or maybe you're trying to control it, maybe you're trying to walk in your own authority and it's just not working out. Jesus can be that authority, can cleanse you, can purify you. But here's what it takes. And Jesus is showing the steps day by day. I love this. On the way to the cross, he's showing us how it's done. Day one, on that Sunday, he's walking in. He is a way maker, but it takes you making the way, opening your heart to receive that. On day two, on that Monday, he goes into the, temp, into the temple and he purifies the temple. You and I, are, we're built to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and he wants to come in and purify your heart and purify your life. And on day three, on that Tuesday, he comes in and he shows himself as the authority. By whose authority? By God's authority, I do these things. He has authority over sin. He has authority over sickness. Yes, he even has authority over this virus. He is in control. Have you given him control of your heart? Have you given him control of your life? He wants you to surrender to him so he can have full control and give you fullness of life and abundant life. You could do that today. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's ready to come in to the gates of your city. Make a way for him. And here's how you do it. You say, Jesus, I believe you are God's son. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you are the way maker. I'm making a way for you. I'm opening the door right now. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Come into the, to the inner city, the inner part of who I am. And clean out my temple like only you can. I, I've tried to clean it out. I can't do it. So Jesus, come into my life. Clean my life. Clean my heart. Just say that. Just said those simple words, clean my heart. And finally, say this, Lord, I surrender to you as full authority. I surrender to you as full authority in my life. You have full control. I give it to you, all of it to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have accepted Christ, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to personally send me an email. And you can send it to pastor at lakepointonline.com. Send me an email. Say, I've accepted Christ as Savior. Or you can even call our church number, which is on our website. But, but send, me, send me a personal email, pastor at lakepointonline.com, and just tell us, what you did, the decision you make, whether you're watching online or you're here in our, or in our service live. And know this, Jesus has authority over everything. And as we march towards the cross, we're gonna see on Easter Sunday, he has authority over the grave. Hallelujah. 
And so as we march toward Easter and check out all, everything Easter on our website, we want you to be a part of it. But more importantly, we want you to be a part of the fellowship and of the family of God. So make that way. He is a way maker. Allow him to clean your temple and give him full authority over your life. We love you. We're here for you. If you need anything during this crazy time, you can call our church number. It's on our website, lakepointonline.com, and we will give, keep you informed as to where we're going to be next week and what we're going to be doing. We love you guys, and uh, God bless. We'll see you guys next time.